love Lucy. And I'm Diana, and I, you know, like Lucy. And this is My Favorite Redhead, the podcast where I show Diana every I Love Lucy episode in order, and then we discuss them together until she and all of you love Lucy too. This week's episode was number 33, Lucy's Schedule. It starts with Ricky pacing the living room because Lucy is taking forever to get ready. They're apparently going to a movie with the Mertzes, and every time he, like, pesters her, she says, I'll be ready in a minute, dear. And uh, his pestering is actually making it take longer. You know how that is? <laughs> you know how that is? He goes in there to, like, chivvy her along and be like, what is the holdup? And she hasn't even dressed yet, so they agree that he's going to pick out a dress for her. So we get to kind of go through a tour of her wardrobe, mm-hmm. and this one's not right, and that one's not right, and, you know, people have seen her too many times and whatever, and he's like, dude, just pick a dress and let's go. Apparently the Mertzes are already on their way, and Lucy's like, I know Ethel's running late because she's my best friend and I know. And Ricky was like, no, Fred promised me they're gonna be here at eight. So the Mertzes arrive. And Lucy's like, just go out there and entertain them. So Ricky goes out there, and I already picked up on Ethel's energy. Mm-hmm. But the dudes didn't, because we know why. Because why would they? <laughs> yeah. So Ricky is telling Fred that he just hopes that Lucy doesn't do all of this tomorrow, because he has a dinner with his boss, essentially, and he wants to be picked for the manager role at the Tropicana. So then Lucy comes out, and... She picks up on Ethel's energy, and because Ethel's super grumpy, and she's got this coat on, right? And Fred's like, oh, she's pissed off at me, because I told her we were going to be here at eight no matter what, and Ethel rips open her coat, and she's just got, like, her underwear on underneath. (laughs) So the next night, Lucy's running late again, and Ricky is like, dude, we gotta go now. And so Lucy comes out, and she's fully dressed, and she's beautiful in this, like, black and white daisy Mm. thing. It's adorable. And Ricky's like, hey, look at you! And she's like, I have, I hacked myself. So what I did was I turned the clocks back so that I thought it was an hour earlier than it actually is. So he's like... You can hear the studio audience immediately saw where Lucy's uh plan had gone wrong. (laughs) Right. And Ricky's, they're turning the lights off to leave, and Ricky's like... Why is it so dark? And he's like, oh no, oh no, what have you done? And she turned the clocks back, not forward, back. So they were actually an hour late Mm -hmm. already. So the next scene, we're in the apartment of Ricky's boss, uh, Alvin and Phoebe Littlefield. And (laughs) they're they're, they're lamenting how late the Ricardos are. And they're also kind of bickering about... Phoebe's taste and decor. She has this bowl of wax fruit that her mother gave her, and Alvin thinks it's tacky, and it's also tacky that the Ricardos are so late. So then the Ricardos do show up, and the Littlefields are fairly gracious, but it also comes out that they had actually already eaten dinner. And so they offered, you know, even though they eat eaten dinner and put everything away and wash all the dishes, they're like, well, we can still make something for you. And Lucy's like, yes, please. And Ricky's like, no. We already ate. (laughs) So they're describing the dinner. And I have to go into it because they got us both with this one. So it was stuffed pork chops and mashed potatoes and hollandaise on asparagus. And I don't know if you guys know this, but my co-host, the lovely Brianna, (laughs) 
loves pork chops and mashed potatoes. I don't know how you feel about asparagus, and I'm fairly certain you wouldn't like hollandaise sauce. I'm not a huge hollandaise person. I do love asparagus, but it's mostly the potatoes. Like, yes. Lucy, like, wordlessly, silently mouths potatoes when they say that and I was like that's the most relatable thing I've ever seen because I eat potatoes all the time but I still react like that when I think that that's an option it's just when if anybody mentions potatoes it's just heart eyes from across the room (laughs) so and I was just laughing at just this massive call out from 70 years ago (laughs) until Mrs. Littlefield is like, well, I can offer you some after-dinner mints, and she pulls out this goblet of butter mints, and I was like, well, shit, there she got me, because I can and have eaten, like, a whole bag of those things, and then I remembered that we had some in the living room, and I had to go and get them so I could, like, snack on them for the rest of the episode, so that was a whole scene. So Mr. Littlefield admonishes Ricky um, for them being late, and... Mrs. Littlefield went into the kitchen to get more mints, and Lucy just out of desperation grabs one of the wax fruits and bites into it, and then there's just chaos with all four of them trying to extricate it from her teeth. (laughs) So the next scene is they're back in the Ricardo's apartment, and Ricky is mad because even though after the whole Apple debacle, they explained what happened and the Littlefields were very understanding, but Ricky's still super embarrassed, and he's really worried that it's going to jeopardize his opportunity to get the manager job. So he writes up a schedule for Lucy where he like calculates how long it takes her to do everything and like plugs a little schedule in. And I gotta tell you guys, I'm gonna come back to this later on, but this episode was a whole journey for me. <laughs> like I it was such a roller coaster of emotions and opinions. So this was one of the big points for me. So the next scene is the next morning. Lucy has this big like schedule board and she's like plotting out her day so ricky comes in and he's very impressed with what she's done and so he's like hey do you have breakfast for me And she's like actually i didn't have time this morning to make breakfast because the way i blocked my time out but i had a little bit of extra time yesterday so i made your breakfast ahead of time and he's like really and it turned out (laughs) that she cooked an egg and just froze it so she just (laughs) handed him this frozen fried egg And it's just, this whole thing is just so petty. I can't stand it. So he's like, well, she's like, well, how about some coffee? And he's like, that's great. So they sit down and the coffee is also frozen. So it's just funny watching him like walk away with his sad little like coffee ice lolly. Which low key sounds kind of good. Like, I was, this, I, I would, I would go for it. This, this scene has one of my favorite lines. I'm mm-hmm. going to come back to the end because hard same. Ricky goes to his meeting with Mr. Littlefield which I apologize, I kept typing it out as little finger. So if I <laughs> slip at some point, I meant little field. If you say little finger, I'm going to start laughing. I know. It's just, that'll be your tell. <laughs> I have it written here in the same line at the little finger apartment, Mr. Littlefield. <laughs> <laughs> so basically they're talking in Mr. Littlefield mentions that Ricky is actually very qualified for the manager job. And Ricky's ecstatic, but he's like, but I cannot forgive you for getting here late last night. That's just unacceptable, which I'm like, dude, ease up. But Ricky's like, okay, so what happened was my wife, you know, she habitually runs late. And he was like, if a man can't get his house in order, and you guys, I'm sure by now, Mm -hmm. can guess what my reaction to that was. 
Ricky was like, no, no, but it's okay. I've got this under control. Lucy and I worked out, well, I worked out a schedule for Lucy. And I've got her performing like a trained seal. And Mr. Littlefield was just like heart eyes over that. Because yeah. he's just like, you gotta control that woman. You gotta get her under your thumb. You gotta make sure that she's cooking sandwiches or whatever the fuck. And I was... Anyway, I'm sure you guys can guess. So he's very impressed in a very gross way about this control issue. So the next scene is Lucy back in the uh, Ricardo's apartment. And she's vacuuming when Ethel comes over and tells Lucy that she has got to stop this schedule nonsense because Fred is getting ideas. And Ethel is like, what the hell kind of friend are you? Yeah, because this is a rap lady. Yeah, this, <laughs> this isn't cool. you got to cut it out. Lucy's telling her, don't worry, I hacked it. I've been cheating by drawing an extra hour <laughs> from the day before, which I'm like, I want to see the math on that. From the next day. Yeah, that's right, from the next day. And it, it the math doesn't work out, because I've been trying to do that my whole life. <laughs> so apparently she's <laughs> she's got it to like the end of the year. She's going to be like two weeks short, but I'm like still not seeing the math on that. Future but it's problem. fine. Future Lucy's problem. Ricky wants to invite Mr. Littlefield over to the house to see how the schedule's going. So they're planning a dinner party for the the night that I'm currently recapping. So there's a knock at the door, and it's Mrs. Littlefield. And Lucy's like, you're not supposed to be here for a couple of hours. And she's like, what the hell, lady? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You gotta stop this. And again, this is one of those moments where I was like, mm, mm. Because it kind of felt like, you know, when dudes write women, and they're like, We've pulled the wool over the men's eyes because we're actually lazy and, like, dumb and stuff. That's how it started. That's how it felt to me, like it was starting. But then she was like, we have to come up with, we have to fix this because men don't have any fucking clue what it takes to do all mm -hmm. of this shit. So what are you doing? And then she's like, by the way, I don't know if you know this. But your husband told my husband that he's got you performing like a train seal. And Lucy was like, the fuck? Excuse the fuck out of me, madam. Yes. And so they were like, we have to get together and we have to, like, do something about this. And uh, Ethel, of course, is like, yes, shenanigans. <laughs> so this was a wonderful little little moment of, like... Sisterhood. Yes. This is, this is like, squad goals. Yeah. Like, these women coming together and being like, we can't allow the men to do this to us. So that night, Ricky is worried the dinner will be ready on time. But of course, Lucy is working her schedule. And Fred is loving the schedule because if this dinner goes well, he's going to also implement a schedule for Ethel. So then the Littlefields arrive and Lucy drags them through the hospitality <laughs> bit. She's like yanking off their coats and hats and throwing them at Ethel. And then Ricky is showing off the schedule board that Lucy's made. And the men are just marveling over it because it's great. So Lucy starts racing through small talk. And she's like, how was your day? And Mr. Littlefield was like, oh, you know, it was exhausting. And she's like, okay, time's up. Next. Yeah. <laughs> so she's running through it like a debate moderator. And then everybody sits down. And the women, Lucy has um, Mrs. Littlefield helping her with dinner, which was also very adorable. And so they just, like, race through all these courses. So they'll, like, come out with a bowl of soup, set it down, and then pick them all up again. Yeah. And... <laughs> Fred, like, they don't, the men are not crazy about this, actually. They've decided they don't like the schedule because it goes too fast. And they didn't have a chance to try the soup. And Fred dips his finger in a spill on the tablecloth like a champ. And I was, it was the one moment that I forgave him in the whole episode <laughs> because it was very funny. 
After, like, a couple of courses, Ricky starts to catch on. But Lucy just doesn't let up. At one point, they found a button in... What's-his-face's glass? Is that Mm -hmm. what it was? Mr. Littlefield's glass. And Lucy's like, oh, I'm saving time by washing the dishes and the clothes together. (laughs) So she brings out the main course, which is frozen steak and frozen peas. And she's like, sorry, my schedule doesn't allow time for defrosting. And she's like, but we got some hot biscuits. And so Ethel just starts pitching biscuits from the kitchen. And then the dudes are just like, no, enough. And Mr. Littlefield, all of a sudden, pulls his head out of his ass and stands up and is like, I know what's happening here. Your wife is terrified of you. And that's why she's so obedient and she's got such a strict schedule here. So he like jumps up and he rips up the schedule and he's like, that's a terrible trait in a husband. But I love it in a manager. So everybody's excited because the episode ends with Ricky getting that job after all. Alrighty. So this episode aired May 26, 1952 and was filmed on April 18th, 1952. It was written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, and Bob Carroll Jr., and directed by Mark Daniels. So the episode was based on the My Favorite Husband radio episode, Time Budgeting. It's more or less the same plot as the TV episode. There's this, like, one funny bit that they didn't do on the TV episode where after Liz and George come back from the Atterbury's house... They didn't eat dinner with the Atterbury's after all, because like in the TV episode, Phoebe ended up cooking for them. In this, in the radio show, they didn't get food, so they came home and they were just ravenous. They were Mm. eating everything in sight. And Katie... Including the rocks fruits. Yeah. (laughs) Katie, the maid, came in and she was like, oh, I was just getting ready to do my hair. Let me move this bowl of wave set. And then she looks at it and the bowl is empty. And Liz is like... Oh, wasn't that custard? (laughs) And then George tells her to take the goofy smile off of her face. And she's like, well, my lips are set in a wave. (laughs) So that was silly. That is funny. Gail Gordon plays Mr. Littlefield. He was born in 1906 as Charles Thomas Aldrich Jr. So his stage name is after his mother, the actress Gloria Gordon. Mm. And his career began in radio. He was on The Great Gildersleeve, The Casebook of Gregory Hood, and Granby's Green Acres. And he was also the first actor to portray Flash Gordon on the radio. Which is pretty cool. I didn't know that until I was researching him. And, of course, he also played Rudolph Atterbury on My Favorite Husband. And he was Lucy's first choice to play Fred Mertz. Aww. So he was already contracted to star in the Our Miss Brooks TV show, so he wasn't available to play the part, but at least they were able to give him this guest starring role, so that's pretty cool. Just yeah. like they did with Phoebe Naderet and having her guest star in Lucy Plays Cupid. But he will show up once more on I Love Lucy, and we'll see him also on the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour. He's mainly remembered, though, for co-starring with Lucy in The Lucy Show, Here's Lucy, and Life with Lucy. He's the only actor to appear on every series Lucy did from the 40s through the 80s, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And he's just kind of a fascinating dude in general. He was the honorary mayor of Borrego Springs, California, which Hmm. is the small town where he lived. He was a published author, a painter, and a carob farmer. Oh, wow. He had a huge ranch and was very successful with that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Edith Miser played Mrs. Littlefield. She was born in 1898 and began performing in college with the Drama Club and the Shakespeare Society. 
She started getting roles on the stage around the same time that she began writing mystery novels and radio scripts. Oh, wow. So she's also a fascinating lady. She was also always a huge fan of Sherlock Holmes, like many of us. Yeah. <laughs> and she came up with the idea for the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes radio show. Oh, wow. And she was responsible for adapting most of the episodes, the adapting the Arthur Conan Doyle stories into radio scripts. And she was doing that for a while and then when that radio show ended she started writing new Sherlock Holmes stories for the later radio show The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes and that's the radio show that stars Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and in 1941 she appeared on Broadway with Vivian Vance in Let's Face It Mm. which is a musical in which they introduced the Cole Porter song A Lady Needs a Rest which what a relatable title yes very (laughs) And we will see her again on I Love Lucy. The Littlefields are going to make one more appearance this season. So oh, that's, that's something to look forward to. And I also, I wrote down Lucy's schedule. I didn't get the times because the writing is kind of small. But I did write down all the items that's on uh, the schedule. Oh, fun. So she starts off with showering and dressing. And then breakfast, wash dishes, make beds and clean, laundry... Fix nails and market. Nice. I love that those are on the same yes. step. <laughs> then lunch, then phone calls, and I seem to remember that being over an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take nap and do hair, also on the same nice. item. Cook dinner, cocktails and dinner. Nice. Wash dishes, watch TV, and dress for bed. Aww. So that's her day. That's a nice day. Yeah. I like how she does her hair and her nails every day. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course she would. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a fun one. There's so much going on. Like you said, you you just can't necessarily see where this is going to go mm-hmm. when it starts up. It's definitely an emotional roller coaster. But I did have one thought that I couldn't escape when I was watching this. Ricky should have called the Littlefields when he yes. realized how late they were. That yes. might have made things better. But he was just like, oh my god, and grabbed her and ran out of the house. Like, dude, take two seconds and let them know. Common sense is the bane of comedy. Mm-hmm. So, that's So, just... of course, he couldn't do that right. for sitcom reasons, but it's also just like, I got my dude, Yeah. <laughs> this is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> I had such an emotional journey on this episode. Like, it just started off, and I was just, okay, I'm a very type A person. So I have like a thousand planners and I have tried my whole life to like schedule out my time. Mm-hmm. I've always struggled with time management. I'm such a self-motivated person that I don't like it when I tell myself what to do <laughs> and how to manage my time. I have a hundred different planners that are all active at the same mm-hmm. time and it, I have to schedule updating them all. <laughs> so part of me was like, yes, get a schedule. And then when I realized that Ricky was going to write her schedule, I was like, no, not like that, though. Yeah. You, managing someone else's day. No. When you're the person that doesn't run the household, so you don't no. know everything that goes into running a household. That's just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that idea. Ricky Ricardo. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you can't possibly know how long it takes Lucy to do the dishes 
or the laundry yeah. or cook or whatever. And that stuff's not going to take the same amount of time every, every time. time. Yeah. Like, if you're making a salad, that's going to be made a lot quicker than if you were, like, Defrost a roasting steak. something, like, a whole whatever. Yeah. So, like, this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, let this lady go about her day. Like, I get that it's annoying that she's made you late a few times, but, like, when it's something like, oh, she made me late for hanging out with the Mertzes, like, that's not that huge of a Calm deal. Calm down. <laughs> the thing with the dinner, yeah, that was not that great. That was a bigger... But, but in fairness, she did try. She did try, and it was just a, a mistake that she yeah. made with, you know, turning the clock the wrong way. Yeah. She was trying to, like, outsmart herself. She was trying to figure it out. So, I get it. And like, which of us haven't had the wrong time mm, on our watch or our phone yeah. or whatever to buy ourselves an extra couple of minutes? So, like, calm down, dude. <laughs> but then, but then Mr. Littlefield was so gross about mm. how impressed he was with Ricky's control of Lucy that, like, that was, like, Lucy plays Cupid level uncomfortable for mm. me. And I was, like, so upset. But then when Mrs. Littlefield came over and was like, girls, we gotta band together, we gotta fix this. Again, like I said earlier, I really thought this was going to go that route of, like, we need to trick the men so that we can have our time to, like, watch our soaps and eat bonbons or whatever. When it was actually just, like, these men have no idea what's going on. So it was actually (laughs) this little moment of, like, like you said, like, sisterhood. Like, girls banding together Mm -hmm. to fight for each other. And I just, I just love a girl squad moment. Oh, yeah. I hate those storylines where women are, like, instantly jealous and competitive with each other. I much prefer the storylines where they instantly band together Mm -hmm. to solve a problem. And then I thought the way that they solved the problem was so clever because I really thought they were going to do go like the weaponized incompetence route and just be like, Lucy was going to ruin the dinner. Like, you know, the women were going to be like socially inappropriate or whatever. Like I thought they were going to go that, that way that they need the men to like come in here and run their schedules Mm -hmm. for them because they're too, whatever. Yeah. Too (laughs) feminine to run a schedule. And I just thought that that would have been such a cheap cop-out, you know? Yeah. But the way they did it, where they were like, the schedule is so strict that I don't even have time to thaw dinner. Mm-hmm. We don't even have time to bring the rolls to the table. So I thought that was great. And then all of course, in a pro- it was such a bad dinner that Mr. Littlefield just spontaneously developed yeah. feminism. <laughs> but then it's it great. It was nice to see him get hit by all three women with yeah. biscuits. And yes. It's especially funny that Phoebe throws one at him. Yes. Because she's sitting down and she wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't necessarily that he got hit with that one as it passed by. That was a special throw yeah. that she had just been saving. She saw her him. moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's from my mom's wax apple. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that because Lucy was in such a predicament when Mrs. Littlefield came over and she mm-hmm. was like, I can't ruin this dinner because then Ricky will lose Mr. Littlefield's respect and he'll lose the job. But I also can't let the dinner be a success because then that ruins it for all right. of womanhood. So it actually, Ricky still got the job in the end. So nobody's, mm-hmm. nobody's shit was ruined. Yeah. So I really liked this. This episode went from being one of my least favorites to being one of my favorites very quickly. Yeah. Was, Mrs. Littlefield saved it. She was great. Like she was a great third member of yes. the shenanigans. And I really enjoyed her. And I liked, you know, the boss coming to dinner trope is such a like, staple of mm-hmm. sitcom so to see Ricky have to deal with that and because we're always a bigger mess at yeah. home than we want people to know that we are yeah and having like you know them basically having this thing where they have to 
try and impress, and Lucy's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to get this figured out tonight. So, this schedule is going to be so tight. There's yeah. no room for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get two seconds to say hello and sit your ass down and sniff this food. Yep. And you're not going to taste it, but that's okay. Well, Fred's going to taste it. Yeah. That's because he has no manners. I loved seeing the men fight over that radish. I actually have it down that that's the most keto thing (laughs) I've seen in a long time. (laughs) They all fought over the radish, and then Lucy got it in the end. That was like, yes. Yes. (laughs) She deserved it. She She was doing all the work. She did. I have to say... The radishes are sometimes an okay substitute <laughs> for the potato, but it's still it's still very exciting when they're potatoes. Yes. But what do you say we dive into the pop culture? I love the pop culture. Me and I too. love diving. Yeah. So this this one I didn't expect this one to be as big and as spirally as it became so this will be I fun. did <laughs> well <laughs> I love a spiral too I love a spiral but I also just like going into it just thought I was gonna be like well here's the movie but so the movie that they're going to see at the beginning of the show was High Noon yes. starring Gary Cooper so decided to look into that yeah Gary Cooper's great and this movie is a western, mm-hmm. and Gary Cooper stars as a town marshal, and Grace Kelly is his new wife. Love her, too. Yeah, she's great. She's my fashion icon. Yeah, she's fantastic. And she is a Quaker in this oh. movie. And Gary Cooper, like I said, he's the town marshal. So there's this criminal that he had arrested who is getting out of prison and coming back through town on that high noon train, mm-hmm. and he's looking for revenge. So Gary Cooper has to decide what he's going to do about it. And his wife wants to like leave town because they were already planning to move anyways. He was going to retire from being the town marshal, and they were going to go like run a store or something like that, and they were going to, you know, move away. But she's like, "Listen, this guy is coming through town to pick a fucking fight with you." Mm-hmm. We're going to leave anyways. Let's just leave now and not look back and, you know, keep not your nose clean and all oh, that'll be fine. But because it's a Western, mm. obviously that's not going to be the thing that happens. So he's like trying to get people in the town, like his friends, people he's worked with, whoever, to help him with this fight because it's not just the one criminal. There's like several of them. You gotta have a posse. Yeah, so he's trying to get some guys together for his posse, because the other guys are already a posse. But no one wants to help him. Everyone is scared, or, you know, they're not fit, whatever the case is. Cowards. Yes, that's (laughs) certainly the point of view. (laughs) So they're having this whole thing. And then in the end, you know, the guys come to town, and it's actually the wife that ends up saving Gary Cooper's character from one of the guys she picks up a gun and she shoots him because she realizes that this guy is gonna get her husband and he's indisposed with the other guys at the moment so she saves his life and then the guy grabs the other guy grabs her and is about to kill her and then he shoots that guy so the the husband and wife save each other basically at the end and then you know they ride off into the sunset together so it ends happily they're safe and everything but apparently this film was like super controversial at the time of its release 
<laughs> so the screenwriter, Carl Foreman, had gotten blacklisted mm. because, of course, that's where this is leading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I think that happened between the time that he wrote the screenplay and when the movie was released. So, like, the movie came out in 1952. He wrote the screenplay in 1951. And he ended up leaving the country. Oh. So he went to England. And people thought the story was an allegory for blacklisting and, like, a critique of McCarthyism. Nice. And one of the most vocal people with this opinion, who was not happy, was John Wayne, who was the president of the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals, which this is an organization that is as conservative as it sounds like it would be and kind of regressive shall Mm -hmm. we say um their critics were basically like yeah these dudes are racist and anti-semitic and anti-union and you know this that and the other thing and they were like okay well here's our rebuttal no we're not Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and even if we were what's wrong with it yeah like we're not (laughs) hateful we We just just hate all these other people fucking suck and they're gross and they're not real Americans. But it's fine, though, because that's not hatred. But a lot of people disagreed. For the record, we disagree. I, yes. Hardcore. (laughs) But when the movie was written, John Wayne is, like, obviously the biggest Western star. So they had initially offered this part to him. And he was like, well, I'm not going to be in that movie because, you know. And (laughs) You can't have anything that criticizes McCarthyism. Yeah, because he was very pro-blacklisting that hero John Wayne. Marion. <laughs> That's his real name. So, <laughs> anyways, he was really bothered by all of that. And they went through a few different actors. And then finally they were like, you know what? Let's offer this to Gary Cooper. He's also a great cowboy. And Gary Cooper was also fairly conservative. But he also was like, well, I'm an actor. So I'm going to act in this movie. I mean, that sounds reasonable. I would agree. And so he ended up taking the movie, and the movie was successful, and he won the Best Actor Oscar for his mm. portrayal so of a good the character Will Kane. Yes. But because Gary Cooper, at the time of the Oscar ceremony, was busy working on another film, he couldn't go to the ceremony. I think he was actually in Europe. So he asked his good dear friend John Wayne <laughs> to accept the award for him. And then... Bitch. Yes. <laughs> And then John Wayne decided to accept the statue, and he went up there, and I have a quote here from what he said, and this is, I'll I'll read the quote first, and then I'll tell you. Okay. Okay. So he said, I'm glad to see they're giving this to a man who is not only most deserving, but has conducted himself throughout the years in our business in a manner that we can all be proud of. Now that I'm through being such a good sport, I'm going back to find my business manager and agent and find out why I didn't get High Noon instead of Cooper. Oh, God. Yes. So at this point during my research, I literally yelled out loud, (laughs) bitch, in my house (laughs) where I live by myself. And then I messaged her and I was like... In my research, I've just yelled bitch. And she was like, I can't wait. Okay. (laughs) So you guys have a feel for our personalities by now. 
when she said when she wrote me that like apropos of nothing i just assumed <laughs> that she'd had some technical difficulties <laughs> and just like yelled at the computer and i was like that's fair yeah <laughs> i didn't realize it was actually you were yelling at a character in this story yeah. oh my god he he earned it and that's not even the end oh god so Despite the piss baby nature of this speech, (laughs) John Wayne's distaste for the movie was like, it was well known. He had been, he hadn't been keeping his opinions to himself. Can't imagine why they didn't hire him. Right? Well, I mean, he was offered the part because he's the biggest Western star, but then he was like, I'm not going to be in that movie. Ew. So he wasn't in the movie. How come you wouldn't let me in the movie? Like, shut the fuck up, motherfucker. (laughs) That's why you weren't in the fucking movie. Sit your ass down. (laughs) <laughs> to quote which one was it was it Alyssa or I was think it, it was detox? bitch sit your ass down and shut the hell up bitch yeah it was Alyssa because only Alyssa could begin and end a sentence with bitch yeah Anyways. also I can see her head like her hair moving yeah it was a big wig we've used that wig. gif so many times yeah but yeah it's just like calm down but my dude we should mention that we're recording this like the week after the Oscars of 2022 mm-hmm. when there was an event that took place and I'm not going to get into it because nope. I'm exhausted. Yes. Not because I don't have an opinion, but because I I just can't. But anyways, much discussion mm-hmm. has been made of John Wayne and his behavior yes. at certain Oscar ceremonies. So As like, it pertains to representation in the film industry. Yes. And things that may or may not be un-American. Yes. So he's just... My dude. He's not the hero of the moment, let's say that. Anyways, he, you know, he hadn't made his opinion a secret, and he apparently called this movie the most un-American thing yeah. I have ever seen. And so then he decided to make his movie Rio Bravo with Howard Hawks as, like, a response oh God. to this movie. And he, ma- it was a few years later he made that movie, but it's, a, like, a similar premise. He was a law enforcement officer and a criminal was coming back to town after getting out of prison looking for revenge against him and instead of the same thing where like the guy can't get anyone to help him everyone in town wants to help him but he keeps turning away anyone who he sees as unworthy so where's the conflict in this story there isn't one oh god and then at the end he, you know, he has said basically that he's going to do this on his own or whatever. Mm. And then everybody else shows up to help him because like, you know, cops are like amazing. And it's the little red hen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the little red bigot. Yeah. So he made that movie and everyone was like, oh, that was cute. <laughs> but it was successful. Like it made money and people well, seemed to really like did. it. Yeah. But... I think the kicker is that it didn't win any Oscars, but High Noon won four Oscars and five Golden Globes. So, like, (laughs) suck it, basically. (laughs) Bitch. Yeah. (laughs) And Carl Foreman, the screenwriter that was blacklisted, he was nominated for a Best Screenplay Oscar for High Noon, but he didn't end up winning, Mm. which, obviously, they weren't going to give him the award when he's blacklisted. Yeah. But... That was his last Hollywood film for six years because of the blacklisting. He did end up coming back to the States and he started working in Hollywood again, but his career was never the same. Mm. He had always wanted to get into directing, but he Mm. was never able to direct a film. He did get to be 
an assistant director on a movie, but he didn't, you know, get to live out that part of his dream, which is sad. So John Wayne just never gets any better. (laughs) And he apparently would tell people that he was very proud of the role that he played in running Carl Foreman out of the country. Oh, God. He literally said that. He's also, as far as I understand, pretty much responsible for, like, blowing up the reputation of Wyatt Earp. mm Mm-hmm. When, like, in re- as far as I understand, in reality, like, the Earps and Doc Holliday were, like, fucking nothing outside of, what, Tombstone? Where were they from? Yeah. So that whole nonsense was just a nothing thing that happened in a nothing town that nobody gave a shit about. Except that Wyatt Earp went to Hollywood and became friends with John Wayne, and so now we have that monkey that we can't get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, so John Wayne doesn't come out of this story looking great, but we will get to see him on a memorable episode of I Love Lucy. So I'm going to try and not think about any of this when I watch that. But, fun fact. Actually fun. Funny. (laughs) This movie wasn't in theaters yet when this episode aired in May of 1952. It wouldn't open until July of that year. Oh, so they were just hyping it. There was no way that they were going to be late to the theater. It wasn't going to take Lucy months to get ready. They'd have made it in plenty of time. I do love the parallel story of the woman saving her husband, though. I do love that. And I also, I think it's interesting that we talked about a movie that's a blacklisting allegory when we're discussing Lucille Ball. So I don't know if any of that was intentional, but it's... Definitely interesting context. In an episode where Lucy saved Ricky. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. All of it, all of it lines up very well. And also another fun fact, but this one is less fun, but kind of funny. Hmm. You know, conservative pro-blacklist guy, Ronald Reagan. You may have heard of him. He's also champion of missing the point because (laughs) he apparently cited this as his favorite movie, High Noon. So... Because he saw himself as, like, I think Bill Clinton also cites it as a favorite movie, but that makes a little bit more sense politically. Yeah. But Bill Clinton has this quote where he's like, you know, it's no wonder that politicians see themselves in that character, Will Kane. And I'm like, I bet you see yourself in a lot of cowboy heroes, Bill. But, Mm -hmm. um. It's the accent. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, the dame. Yeah. But for Ronald Reagan to stan there wasn't his campaign song born in the usa reagan yeah mother's nodding okay yeah i that's (laughs) gross because for one minute before what's his name was like you're missing the point springsteen that's his name that is his name i got it i'm not good with names y'all yeah because springsteen is not the one he was like that's not what that song means you ass yeah he's he's pretty far opposite from ronald reagan politically and if you didn't know that you learned something today But, I mean, we don't need politicians in politics, right? We like having our TV celebrity presidents. They do a great job. They're very smart. They got the big words. I don't want to be mean or anything, but Ronald Reagan wasn't even that good of an actor. But, anyways, Simon Legree. Another fun (laughs) reference. So, um, you know, Mr. Littlefield said Ricky was being a Simon Legree. And... That character is the slave owner in Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's not a compliment. 
He didn't mean it as a compliment. It was at the end when he was telling oh, him okay. off. Oh, okay. Okay. Sometimes I miss these things. Yeah. Okay, that's appropriate then. Yes, it was appropriate, but it's also a reference Yikes. that's like, well, okay, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah. But since I already got into the other thing, I'm not going to get into this too much. If you guys don't know about Harry Uncle Beatrice Tom's Stone. Cabin, that's U.S. history class, not podcast. But if you do want me to talk <laughs> about it, <laughs> five-star rating and review. Anyways... The novel was published in 1852, and it actually helped change public opinion on slavery Mm -hmm. and abolition, Mm -hmm. so that is a nice thing that happened. That's what that reference is referring to. So anyways, favorite lines? Did you have any favorite lines? Oh boy, did I. Not as many as in other episodes, but there were some that I liked quite a lot. When Ricky's going through her wardrobe and she's like, oh, I don't want that want that dress because Ethel's seen it on me a bunch of times. I don't want that dress because I wear it all the time. And I don't want that one because whatever all, other reason. It was and he, too tight. Yeah. He pulls out one. He says, don't tell me Gary Cooper has seen you in this. <laughs> Which, I mean, Gary Cooper's pretty cute. So He is. You don't want to wear something too casual. Yeah. I also like uh, when they're turning off the lights to leave, and you can see the horror on his face yeah. when he says, it's awful dark. Yeah. And then the audience is just like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> the audience caught on faster than Ricky did. I like when he pulls out his chunk of frozen coffee out of the coffee cup, and Lucy says, what's the matter? You always like iced coffee. <laughs> I do, too. Me, too. So, that was fun. It's delightful. When Mrs. Littlefield comes in and she says, what are you trying to do to the wives of America? <laughs> and then after she tells Lucy about the train seal comment, and Lucy decides to have a whole plot, she says, train seals of the world unite, and then she, like, barked like a seal. It was very funny. And then I had the line about radish because even though I'm not keto anymore, I still <laughs> felt it in the pit of my little keto soul. I was like, that radish is mine. <laughs> so I actually wrote down different ones than you this time. Hey. So you get more spotlighted here. So um, the first one I wrote down was when Lucy said, oh, I'm going to need more than 15 minutes for that because mm-hmm. it's mildly suggestive and I yes. find that funny. And in the morning, when Lucy's on her schedule, Ricky comes in and says, how about a good morning kiss? And she goes, sorry, it's not on the schedule. I actually was going to write that one down, but I didn't. (laughs) I feel like this one had more physical comedy that was standout. So there, that would explain why there's not as many lines. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of fun ones and just very funny situations. Yes. I feel like this was almost more smart than funny. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of complexity to the story mm-hmm. that's happening so that it's not as quippy as other episodes are yeah. but it's like clever ladies clever. it's very clever it is funny too yeah though, but yeah, it's definitely sure. very clever it's situational funny yeah and they and they don't always try and give you a clever story mm-hmm. not that they're like you know you know what i mean yeah mostly they focus on being silly and fun and funny but this one kind of does have more layers to it so that's always fun yeah but did you have any other thoughts? Anything else you wanted to... No, I um, I think we covered. I really enjoyed this one. This one really surprised me. There were just a lot of layers that I appreciated to this one. And like I said, there was a whole roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Because I just had to keep pausing and being like, I hate this. And I was like, actually, this is amazing and I love it. So, yeah, I thought it was really well done. I actually liked the whole story arc. Mm-hmm. I liked the individual character arcs. Like with the little thing... Damn it, I almost went the whole episode... 
with the little fields bickering and it kind of mimicking the Ricardos bickering. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Mertzes are always mimicking the Ricardos. Yeah. But it is kind of fun. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that we only see Mrs. Lilyfield one more. That was new. Mrs. Littlefield. I just, I hate their name. <laughs> I'm just, I'm changing. Anything but Littlefield. I kind of wish that we would see her more often, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm always bummed that we're not going to see B. Benedict's character yeah. again either, so That's I would like, love this, uh, like... That would be a super girl gang. Lucy, right? Apple, Mrs. Lewis, uh, Mrs. Littlefield, and then yes. we haven't met her yet, but I'm going to throw Mrs. Trumbull in too, because she's my homegirl. So... so I, I feel like that would be a great squad. Yeah. I think also, they would Carolyn run that town. Appleby. We haven't met her yet either, but Madame she's Le a Mon. bitch. Love her. Yes. So I, th- I think they would be great together. I think yeah, that would be really fun. It would be. So I actually, I actually enjoyed the little moments of girl power in this one. And even the dudes like coming around to being like, no, actually girl yeah. power. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait a minute. This, this is actually, this isn't okay. And I didn't mention this. <laughs> I didn't mention this, but I did love that half a second of Ricky being like, maybe I am too harsh on Lucy. Yeah. I was like, yes. So. Get it together, dude. Yeah. So I love. Also. When the Mertzes show up to pick up the Ricardos, and Ricky says, I'll be ready in a minute, dear. Yes. That like, now you got me doing fun. it. <laughs> um, can we talk about how adorable Ethel's underwear is? It was very cute. It was very cute. I would wear that, like, unironically. I oh, would yeah. wear that. Yeah. I also. I've worn something similar to think it's fair, but. <laughs> I also think it's very um, brave of Vivian Vance, yes. who has had kind of body insecurities. Issues. Yeah. To be willing to show that for the sake of a joke. And it yeah. paid off. It did. It was, it was a funny very joke. funny. And also she looked very freaking cute. Very cute. But also it's one of those scenes where you don't laugh at her. You feel bad for her because yeah. Fred is such a hard ass. You feel bad for her, but you laugh at the situation right. because Fred is so much of a dick in that moment yeah. that he doesn't realize, no, 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 you're the one in the wrong here. Yes. Like, give your wife two more seconds to put on her freaking yeah. clothes because the movie is that it's going to be there. Yeah. Like, it's gonna, not even going to be there for another two months. Yeah. You're early. <laughs> but also, like, you know when you go to the movies, there's all of those previews yeah. at first. It's not even like it's going to start when the time on the tickets. And also, so, like, like down. the first few minutes... And also, back in the day, the first few minutes was, like, credits anyway. Yeah. So, because they did the credits at the beginning of the movie back then. Mm-hmm. So, So, they definitely, chill. they definitely had time. Yeah. But. Please join us next week when we will be discussing Ricky Thinks He Is Getting Bald. Oh. In which Lucy tries to help Ricky past an insecurity. Oh, that's going to be cute and traumatizing. Yes. <laughs> So, I hope you guys will enjoy it, and join us then. Bye! Bye! Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher to make sure you never miss an episode. And follow us on Instagram at MyFavoriteRedhead, on Tumblr and Facebook at MyFavoriteRedheadPodcast. Tweet us at MyFavoriteRedhead or drop us a line at MyFavoriteRedheadPodcast at gmail.com. And if you love Lucy and you enjoy our show, give us a good rating and review.